Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is Lisa. And if you want to catch up with me, I am on Twitter at ILTM Podcast, all one word. And then I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast. And sorry, I'm going to continue to call it Twitter. I need, I should be calling it X, <laughs> but I call it Twitter. Anyways, uh, you can also support the show on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash I Love That Movie as though it's all one word. If you sign up, you get a weekly bonus episode of just everything I'm watching that week. Um, and we have a lot of fun on there. Uh, I have a returning guest. Um, I feel like you're like at this point a legacy guest because you've been on so many episodes. <laughs> but I have Philip Barker. Say hi, Philip. Hi, Philip. Hey. <laughs> hey, Lisa. How are you doing? Doing really well. Um, on the off chance someone has not heard you on another episode, which is almost impossible at this point because you're such a great guest. But if they haven't heard you before, did you want to introduce yourself just a bit? Absolutely. And again, thank you for that kind comment. I, I try to be a decent human being more often than not. But if anyone has listened to me before, you probably know where I am from. But if you have not in the off chance, uh, you can probably listen to me talk about Batman on my Batman show that I do with my buddy Craig, the Eternal Night podcast. We talk about Batman predominantly almost every single episode, although the stuff we have coming soon isn't quite Batman centric. Um, you can also catch me on the Four Nerds Network every Wednesday where we talk about practically everything pop culture, not just pertaining to, you know, DC, but we like Marvel, Star Wars, Star Trek, Teenage Mutant Turtles, video games, all that fun stuff. And um, yeah, I'm also on Vero, Instagram, Threads, and Blue Sky. Not Twitter, because I don't have Twitter anymore. Um, so we, are, you know, every every time I have a guest on this show, they actually pick the movie that we talk about, and it's a movie that they love. So what movie did you choose to talk about this week? How much do you want to bet everyone's betting that I chose another superhero <laughs> movie? <laughs> I know, you do pick a lot of superhero films. I do, but not today. No, today I chose something that is very near and dear to me as a, as a human being that I've been into for quite some time and something that I just enjoy. And it, it came to me because you, you you and I were talking offline. Well, not really offline, but we were talking off, off air, I guess I should say, yeah. about, you know, we wanted to do another show. And yeah, um, absolutely. I, I, I just asked, had anyone done any Pokemon movies? And you said no. So I was like, well, what about the very first one from 1998? Love it. Um, I will tell you briefly that. Oh, and I, I'm going to read the title. It's kind of a long title. It's it is. Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. Yes. <laughs> Which sort of reminds me of Empire Strikes Back, but we'll we'll get into that. Um, I saw this movie because uh, in 1998, I was a teenager still. And um, I remember watching it with my little cousins. And if they're listening, 
uh, Kurt and Tyler, I would like babysit them and we would watch a lot of, they loved Pokemon and they loved Digimon. Now at the time, I think I preferred Digimon a little bit more to Pokemon. It seemed a little bit more adult, I guess, but um, I know I must have seen this movie. I don't recall the whole film. I know that I feel like it was one of the things we watched because I had like vague recollections of it. But honestly, watching it yesterday was almost like watching it for the first time. And um, I think I was pleasantly surprised that you didn't necessarily have to know a lot of Pokemon lore in order to uh, follow along. But um, that's my boring story of <laughs> my beginnings with it. What, you know, wh what was it like for you? Did you see this in theaters or how did you first watch this? I feel like we just aged ourselves because, you know... <laughs> Not to make the point, but like you mentioned, you were a teenager. I was yeah. a younger child. I was, I was yeah, 98. I, <laughs> I, was, I was about I was about six. Okay. Yeah, I, okay. I, I, I was six. I was born in 92. So nice. I saw this movie with my dad and my brother. And this is at the, the pinnacle, the height of my my Pokemon, like getting into that 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 whole IP, getting into that that whole franchise, just yeah. falling in love with it at that age. You know, I collected the cards. I play the video games to this day very avidly. Like I have, if you see right here, I've actually got Pokemon Gold in my GB operator that I can play on my nice. computer. Um, and I still have the, you know, the most current games like Scarlet and Violet. Like I very, very much still have a huge affinity for this franchise. And, you know, I remember watching the movie in theaters with my dad and my little brother and just being just encapsulated and just being just thrown into the world like this is the first pokemon movie and like having played the games having watched the anime up until that point you know knowing you know at the time the the first 150 151 that there were and just seeing you know all the characters that you know ash misty brock and you've got you know pikachu meowth team rocket all of that and they they're just you know it's it's just really a huge part of my life like this this franchise as a whole is just a really huge part of my life so I um so thank you for sharing your personal story with Pokemon. I um I think you know for me it was interesting. I was looking up when this actually when this movie aired uh, because when I was younger I noticed a really big gap in the content that we were getting from Japan and it making its way over here. Like I remember you know, Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon obviously were really huge and Sailor Moon was probably my first intro into anime. But by the time that we started watching it, it was far in the past. Like it was yeah. an older anime and same with DBZ. Like I remember seeing ads for like quote unquote new episodes and me thinking like, this is fine. It's good, but it's, it's pretty old now, you know, it's kind of older tech. And when you're watching stuff like ghost in the shell and things like that, that were, a little bit newer you know there's a part of me that was always like anime fans like there's there's newer stuff out there it's just not on tv but you know it's kind of as a genre catching up but actually i i read that pokemon uh the movie came out i think in 1990 like seven or something like that and then came out over here in 1998 so pretty close to the film's release but you can still see like a quality difference i think in terms of the animation of this movie which is not uncommon the movie usually has a better budget but like right. you definitely right. can tell that it's it's newer yeah that's that that's that's a typical practice especially for this mm -hmm. franchise like the games debuted in 1996 and they became a an, an instant hit like it, it was a literal phenomenon at the time yeah. and you know even then like japan had 
red and green versions and then they made a blue version but in weirdly enough the only way that you could get blue version in japan was through ordering it through like a magazine or something and then oh. maybe in 97 they did pokemon yellow which was the special pikachu edition which was based off the anime because you had you, you know your starter pokemon was pikachu like ash had mm -hmm. Pikachu, and then they did the anime and it, it was literally like a year or so behind us in the US. So they would get it then and then we'd get it about a year or so later. And that's still to this day how they kind of release the anime and a lot of the movies too. Yeah. And also it's a lot of pressure. You know, the dub team has to like race to translate it. Like there's a lot of moving parts for sure. Right. But uh, I found that timeline kind of refreshing as compared to some of the other shows. Um, so if you haven't seen this movie before, we are going to have spoilers, but you, you've had some time to watch it, <laughs> in all fairness. I really thought that this synopsis was funny. I found it on um, IMDb. It just says, <laughs> it just says, scientists genetically create a new Pokemon, Mewtwo, but the results are horrific and disastrous. <laughs> I don't know who wrote that, but I thought that that was really funny. Like, That's clever. That's doesn't really, That's very clever. Yeah, it's like it, it does happen, but it's just kind of funny. The results, like I feel like I'm going to quote that later. The results were horrific and disastrous. It's funny um, because that, that whole concept <laughs> is even alluded to in the video game Pokemon Red and Blue. Oh, like, oh really? Yeah, so in Cinnabar Island, where the seventh gym badge is, you go into this place called the Pokemon Mansion. You find a bunch of journal and diary entries that basically detail the creation of Mewtwo and how oh, he was okay. cloned from Mew. And it's 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 insanity. It's just pure unadulterated insanity. This this movie <laughs> and this franchise, honestly, I love it. Um, I have a couple of quick facts, just two that I wanted to share. Um, and, and, and these were thoughts I had watching the movie. So I'm just going to admit to you, while I was watching the movie, I was thinking in my head, I wonder if they change something here. And I could tell. And because I feel like earlier anime, um, American studios did this thing where they were like, oh, we can't just like give you exactly what this product is. We have to like Americanize it, sanitize it for like an American audience, and that will make it better. But unanimously, that's never how it's received. Now, yeah. I don't think it hurts the movie too much. Like, I think the movie is still enjoyable and everything like that. But these two things were things I was like, this to me doesn't feel like a very, I guess, for lack of a better term, Japanese concept. And so I kind of noticed it. So the first thing was that in the Japanese version, a, a Mewtwo is shown in a more favorable light. And, you know, he feels like he has no place in the world. He's wanting to earn his place. But in the English dub, they make Mewtwo pretty much a tyrant who wants to destroy the world. Um, and, and, you know, in retrospect, both fans and uh, critics kind of did not like that portrayal. And I got that, too, because I felt like, you know, obviously he's not moving his mouth because he's like psychic. But I was like, there's an opportunity here to add a lot of extra words that are maybe not in here. And then that kind of goes along with my second thing I was going to share. Mewtwo's voice was added um, in the American version segment to help better explain uh, the movie to people who might not have had a, a lot of knowledge of Pokemon. But I would say um, that I kind of would have liked that version better, like the subtitled one, only because I, I think it's okay to give the audience a little bit of time to kind of fill in the gaps ourselves. And I think kids and audiences are able to do that, but I, I can understand the fear that like, well, what if someone watches this and doesn't know what's going on? But anyway, I saw that to say, what are your thoughts on the, on the narration? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Um, you know, 
I don't think I've ever really thought about it. Maybe I should watch. I, I've never seen the the Japanese version of it. The dub, the the sub, the subtitle version. Yeah, never, never and that, no that. shame, of course. Yeah, because we're we don't we don't dub or sub shame here. We don't we don't do that. We're yeah. not those kind of anime fans. No, no. Um, no. But thinking about it, I suppose it's it's kind of an interesting thing to take into account because I I, I yeah. never knew that, which is weird because I'm I'm a Pokemon fan, weirdly enough. But I guess thinking about it, I I don't know. Uh, it never really occurred to me that 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 could have or was a thing but i actually kind of like the idea that mewtwo thinks of it thinks of itself as nothing more than a creation and he in that kind of drives the story forward from his perspective from that from that character's perspective and you know being this evil tyrant who's just bent on you know eliminating humanity and eliminating any pokemon that align themselves with humanity i was just like even as a kid i was like wow mewtwo's really really brutal and really just you know <laughs> yeah lost it and and then you you get the contrast there with Mew just being this really light lovable character who's all yeah. just about preserving life and living life and you know it's not what your creation your creation doesn't define you it's what you do with your life that defines you is that that's the ultimate thing that's said at the end of the movie yeah. but there are some th some things in this movie that kind of at the end of it I did scratch my head a little bit now as an adult like huh that's I never caught it as a kid, but I was like, yeah, okay. There, there are some questions being raised. Definitely. Yeah. I only noticed it because I, I from watching so much anime and, and from coming from a background of there used to be like these purists that would complain about, you know, Oh, you watch the dub. And so I started right. to notice like, what, what are things that they would change? And I think um, I've noticed like when you watch a lot of anime films, there's more silence, I think, than in American films. Like, you know, an animal not talking and things happening around and you kind of filling in the gaps is like normal. But I think for Western audiences, it's like, A, it could be boring. B, it could be confusing because it leaves a lot to interpretation. So I can understand why they kind of filled in those gaps. Yeah. Um, and I still think that even though they change some things about Mewtwo, I still think he gets to have a redemption arc that, and, and I think the audience is sympathetic to him because, I mean, he's kind of like a product of what was done to him. So I don't think he comes across as like a horrible, horrible, evil character that never gets redeemed. Like, I think he kind of, you kind of get to have both and like in the character Mew as well, you know, he's innocent. So you still get right. to have those qualities, just yeah, a little bit different. And, you know, he was he went from being created in a lab and he, he destroys the lab promptly. And then you find out that Giovanni, who heads Team Rocket, basically, you know, kind of swindles him a little bit. He swindles Mewtwo and like, oh, don't worry, we can be partners. We can take over the world together. But then later on, Giovanni tells him, no, you were created to be my weapon. Like, th this is all you were meant for. This is all you're going to be for. And that's when Mewtwo finally clicks like, no, I'm not. I'm going to do my own thing now and you're going to suffer for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also noticed, uh, you know, again, I'm not, I don't know as much about Pokemon as, um, as, as you do as a fan, but I do know that, or it seemed to me that like they kept a lot of the same voice actors um, in the movie, right? Which I think is unique because sometimes there's a tendency to like, if a movie comes out, replace everybody. So I think that's a big benefit to the movie too, that they don't do that. 
Yeah, and it's funny because one of the voice actors who plays Brock, uh, Eric Stewart, he's been in a couple different animes. Like I believe he, I'm looking at it right now, he voices Koenma in Yu Yu Hakusho. He's the voice oh. of Seto Kaiba in Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters. So that's where I recognize that voice from. And Veronica Taylor, I think, has been the voice of Ash for as long as I can recall. Yeah, same definitely like Lewis. a legacy gig. Yeah, and same with Rachel Lillis as Misty. I think that's been a thing since the anime debuted here in West in the West. I like when that happens. You know, they become so identifiable with their characters, and like you know, we don't the fans rally around like keeping them. I think sometimes as like the main voices, and I like that. Yeah, and weirdly enough, well, not weirdly enough, but her, she, Veronica Taylor, like her tenure as Ash literally just ended because they, with Pokemon Master's Journey, I think, or Journey Master, I don't remember what the last one is called, but this, the, the, the very last thing that they did with Ash is like, that's it for a while. Like Ash will yeah. not be the, the, the protagonist going forward. There's now two young, younger protagonists for uh, the new series, Pokemon Horizons, that's debuting in just a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what a uh what a franchise though. What staying power for so long. That's I mean, that's amazing. I don't think anyone ever in expected this franchise to go on as long as it did because you mentioned Digimon. Digimon went on for at least four or five seasons before it finally, you know, kind of stayed yeah, in its own pocket. Yeah. I think just Both like them. the marketing and the likability of the characters. I mean, I think people used to kind of, when it came out, like older people kind of thought of it as like, oh, this is just a cartoon to sell toys, which is really cynical and honestly what a lot of cartoons are anyway. So like, right. why pick on this one? But it's amazing. Like, okay, sure, that's true. It was selling a game and a card game and all that. But like, look at how long it's stuck around. It's pretty incredible. I think the longevity of the franchise is, is largely in part due to how well the games still sell to this day. And the idea that honestly, they, I don't think, uh, the, the initial creators of the Pokemon games, I don't think they expected anything to go past gold and silver, the, the second generation of the video games wow. too, because you know, they were not anticipating it, but then they eventually made Ruby and Sapphire. Then they remade red and green as fire, red leaf green for the game boy advances. And then they moved on to the DS hardware. It's just, it's insane at, at, to me at how long and how much love this franchise still has to this day. And I think that's honestly one of the stronger elements to it is the fact that the game still proved to be marketable, sellable and popular and, and still not, you know, bad quote. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Well, in regards to this movie, did you want to talk next about, you know, did you have any facts you wanted to share or did you want to talk about some of your favorite scenes? There was something I was actually going to ask you. So I told you I had the the a Blu-ray copy of the first three films. And I when I had popped it in, um, in the theater, when I had watched it initially, there was a short that played called Pikachu's Vacation. And that was not present on my Blu-ray copy. Was that present on the copy that you watched? No, I rented it on iTunes and there was no short before it just wow. launched right into the film. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Yeah, because there's a short that plays in front of it that played in front of it back in the day in the theater that was called Pikachu's Vacation. Um, Ash, Misty, and Brock, they drop off Pikachu and Togepi to, you know, kind of like be taken care of on their own accord while they go do something else. And it's like, it's this really interesting short where Pikachu and Togepi encounter a couple different Pokemon. They kind of teased newer Pokemon that were going to appear in gold and silver, uh, Meryl Snubble and Don fan, which also makes an appearance in actually, you know, I think Don fan is the only one that appears in the movie, but was from generation two. 
but yeah, they they there's like this little race between a Pikachu, between Pikachu and a Raichu. Ash's Charizard is sleeping on a rock, then gets woken up. That gets it's a really fun short. I was trying to find it before we started recording, but I couldn't even find a copy of it on YouTube. That's oh, that's how wow. ancient okay. this thing is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> lost to the archives, I guess. But um, another thing cool. is in in the beginning of the movie, there's this um this piece of ancient text and picture pictograph of Mew and when the movie released anyone who went and saw the movie got an ancient Mew card I don't have mine anymore I wish I did but that that to me was one of the cool benefits of getting to see that movie was having one of those you know those limited edition promotional items and wow. um, they were also doing other promotional things like if you went and saw the movie on top of getting an ancient Mew card you also got um these little Pokemon figures in like little Pokeballs, little plastic Pokeballs that you get. My brother wound up getting Nino King, and I wanted anything from the Charmander, Charmeleon, Charizard line because Charizard's my favorite Pokemon from the games, from Pokemon in general. Like I have a Charizard tattoo on my leg for goodness sake, and nice. so much I love that Pokemon <laughs> because Ash had a Charizard. Ash found yeah. you know anyone who watched the show they saw you know Ash, Misty, and Brock save this little Charmander from out in the rain, and that that Charmander grows up to be one of Ash's most prominently used Pokemon. Even though in the first couple seasons it doesn't listen to him until it gains a bit of respect for him in the Orange Island season, but yeah, um, honestly, some of my favorite things about this movie, like even watching it now, um, the entire intro where they play the the, the slower down version of retooled version of the music and ash battling this trainer who's got a couple different pokemon like that just kind of brought back a whole flow of emotion for me um when mewtwo first appears and breaks out of the glass and you know kind of tears down that island and and that laboratory um it just kind of brings me back to being a kid again and going into the video games and going into Cerulean Cave and capturing Mewtwo because that, that's the point of the game. Like you run around, you build your team of Pokemon, you capture them, you raise them, you get the eight gym badges, you beat the Elite Four, et cetera, et cetera. But just seeing this movie play out the way that it did now as an adult, I have such a different perspective than I did as a kid where it's like, oh, yes, this is the thing that I love. But now as an adult, it's like, yeah, I, I still feel the same exact way as I did before. Um, I do also think it's funny that in the opening scene, there's another trainer who says he flew to the island on his Pidgeotto. That's actually not accurate because I think that <laughs> might be a, a translation issue because it's, oh, really? it's not the Pokemon Pidgeotto. It's actually the final evolved form Pidgeot. Oh, so like either a typo or just like... Didn't... It's got to be a typo or a translation yeah. thing. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Nice. And if, well, I'm, if... I'm go oh, go ahead. Also, I think it's if you watch this movie, you also get like a, a pretty solid mix of practically every popular Pokemon that was in the first generation because you had all the three evolutions, final forms, like Blastoise, Venusaur, Charizard, you had Gyarados, you had Rapidash, Scyther, Rhyhorn, Ninetales, like a lot of the really pretty popular Pokemon. Even Dragonite makes an appearance in the, in the first couple minutes of the movie too. And obviously, you know, Team Rocket's always got some fun shenanigans to be had every time they're they're on screen. So yes, there's, totally there's, agree. there's just so much to talk about with this film that I, I could just go on and on about. But yeah, <laughs> it, it really is a, a super fun movie. And just I, I also another fun thing I think is funny in this is if you've watched the anime, you know how much of a it's the right word I want to use here. Um, there's always a character trope in, in animes where there's a, a, a male character who's always pining over female characters. And that is very much Brock. I and know. It, it's like it, Brock. Chill. Yes. Take it down from a 12 to like a 10. Poor, poor and, kid. <laughs> and like in the movie, he's always pining over either Officer Jenny or Nurse Joy. Well, that's in the anime. But in the, in the movie, 
he you know when they're presented with the hologram of this character who's like you know you've been invited to this this island for to battle the greatest pokemon trader on the planet and brock's like oh pretty woman right and it's like <laughs> that plays it's it's a it's a homage to the series but it's also funny because that 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 becomes a plot point in the movie where they get to this island they get to this town where they're supposed to ferry to the island they get to you know that town and it's storming really bad because as we find out mewtwo whirls his hand and creates a, a psychic storm if you will and creates a this massive weather storm that that you know is essentially another test for these trainers to get to the island but you find out that that the pokemon center in that town is without a nurse joy and it's like huh that's convenient why could that be yeah and so you find out later, oh, Mewtwo kidnapped Nurse Joy from that town like a month ago. And she's the one who's kind of essentially his, his, what's the word I want to use her assistant. There we go. Yeah, yeah. She has that sort of like almost like nun or monk type outfit. And she's like prophesizing. Right. I thought that was a nice twist. Yeah, Nick was explaining to me about all the like Nurse Joys and Officer Jennies. But I thought that that scene you were talking about was so funny, not only because he's so focused on like, oh, she's cute. But he even says like, he's so dumb that like, it the the way that they're communicating is it's like a little device and then a projection. It kind of reminded me of like Star Wars, like, you know, yeah. Princess Leia. And he's like, She's so small, but so pretty. It's like Brock. She's not tiny. It's like a projection. Right. I thought that was funny. I also found it intriguing that Mewtwo took it upon himself to like watch other trainers to see who mm -hmm. is the cream of the crop to come battle him. Yeah. And he was doing it through the use of a Fira with a camera attached to its neck. And it's like, he's been cloning other Pokemon even before this. That's an interesting but devilish idea yeah. in, a, in a certain respect. Yeah, definitely. And also I actually just saw, I, I avidly play the Pokemon go mobile game too, but I, I kind of dip in and out of it from time to time, but I did not know until recently that they actually had, cause you know, they do variants of certain Pokemon. Like you can get a, a, a Squirtle with this, with the glasses, like, you know, the Squirtle squad, but they also recently did um, clone versions. Like if you oh. played the game, you could get a clone version of, of Charmander, so which would evolve it just like in the movie. Right. And I was oh, like, okay. I'm depressed that I missed that. Oh no. I, yeah. I missed out on that. But I all from, even from a young age, I found those clone versions of, of, you know, Blastoise, Venusaur and Charizard just very like, Oh, those look primal. I want yeah. one, but I could never get one in the games. Cause they never did anything like that in, in oh. the mainline games. Yeah, I noticed at the end of this movie, they do like an end cap on this plot in such a way that it's like, it's not going to happen again. Like, yep. Mewtwo's like, okay, thanks for all your help, but like, I'm going to wipe everyone's memories. This did not happen. I'm like, ah, I see what they're doing there. That yep. way they don't have to keep coming back to it. Yep. And it's funny because in, I believe it's the most recent one on Netflix, the series on Netflix, it's Journeys or Master Journeys, whatever. Um, Ash has actually faced with a Mewtwo and his other his other cohort go I think is the character's name maybe might even be something else but they actually run into a Mewtwo who telepathically communicates with them and a lot of people are like is that the same Mewtwo from Mewtwo Strikes Back because oh. it, it, it very I think it very well could be but Makes considering sense. that the timeline the way the Pokemon timeline works in the anime is just not the same as it used to be because oh, okay. we're led to believe that Ash is still 10 years old after 20 something years that's true <laughs> he's I like bart simpson you know he just like doesn't age yeah 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 
Yeah, that's kind of the way I chalk it up these days because it's it's even funnier because it's it's kind of contradictory because as the Indigo League, the first season that they that they call it wraps up, Ash even outright says, oh, it's been one year since I've left home to start my journey and he leaves on his 10th birthday. So therefore, he's literally saying, yeah, I'm 11 years old now. Yeah, but then he never progresses beyond that point. Bingo. Okay. Interesting. Well, thank you for filling those gaps in because I think as much as it explains there, I did have some questions. So that's helpful. Yeah. And it's interesting because like I'm reading it now and the doctor who was the head of the whole Mewtwo cloning operation was Dr. Fuji. And in the video games, there is a character in Lavender Town and one of the towns you go to named Mr. Fuji who spends his time mm. and Lavender Town is the town where you know you essentially kind of go to to bury your Pokemon if it is passed on not just faint but like if it actually like passes and dies unfortunately but I find that intriguing and I wonder if there's some kind of connectivity there and also um, even in the games Blaine the Cinnabar Island gym he was a in the in the manga anyway the the Pokemon manga he was actually a former team rocket scientist oh okay that's an but, interesting connection but outside of brock and misty i don't think they there are any other gym leaders in the oh well no giovanni giovanni's in this too so i guess those are the only three gym leaders that make an appearance in the movie mm. but um is there a reason this is kind of shifting gears um just a random question is there a reason why meowth um can speak so clearly and the other pokemon can't yes so in an episode of Pokemon, I don't remember which episode specifically, but Meowth kind of goes over his origin a little bit. I think it might even be the 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 Pokemon on the Big Island episode where the 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 humans and the Pokemon get separated. It could be okay. that episode. It could be another episode. Basically, Meowth details like, yeah, when I was abandoned, I took it upon myself to learn how to read, and he learns how to oh. read and speak and talk. Like that. Okay. That's why he's able to. That's why he's okay. I wondered about that. Um, I thought that was interesting. I was like, I bet Philip will know. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Um, yeah, that's, that's been something I've known for a long time since I watched the anime way back when. I also felt like, and I don't know if this is just me projecting my thoughts onto it, but you know, Meowth um, can speak really well, but he also doesn't always have the best motives because he's so close to Team Rocket. So I kind of wondered if there was some correlation between like being more human and like therefore being greedier than the other animals and like the other animals are more innocent and kind. And so they're not like that, but they also don't speak something like that. But I don't know. It's just I think, it, I think it, it, it's, it's largely to do with that. He spends a lot of time with Team Rocket and, you know, Jesse and James they they they're kind of endeared on this idea that they want to present Giovanni with a really strong Pokemon and they're fixated on this Pikachu that Ash has that is weirdly strong. And I think Meowth kind of takes it upon himself to kind of um not necessarily project, but like, you know, add to that in a sense because they are more or less his trainers and they, you yeah. know, Pokemon take after their trainers. That's true. In, okay. in, in most situations. So kind of like pets take after people. Okay. Yes. Yes. Nice. Okay. Very much so. Um I also, if I'm thinking about like favorite moments of this movie, um, I think getting the, the the general idea of having, you know, these trainers get to this island, having to brave a storm to go through it and getting, you know, to see this island. And then the the big twist is, oh, it's not a person that's a Pokemon trainer. It's literally the most powerful Pokemon in, in, in the planet at the time. It's Mewtwo. Like you're presented with this being who's at the... It, who's a psychic type Pokemon who at the time of the initial games, red and blue, the psychic type was the strongest type in the video game. 
did not have any oh. weaknesses. Well, they had one weakness, but even then the games were kind of unbalanced in, in, in a certain way. Like the only weakness that they had were either um, was a bug type and bug type Pokemon in the games were not very powerful at all. So it really was oh, kind okay. of a challenge to get to be to get to beat any psychic type Pokemon. There's even a gym leader, Sabrina, who has all psychic types. She's got Alakazam and Mr. Mime. And there's one other one I think she has too. But yeah, the psychic type Pokemon in the first generation is predominantly the stronger type. Um, there are There is Dragonite, the Dragonite line, which are now, as the games have progressed, the Dragon type Pokemon has been predominantly the strongest type since generation two through six. Because in generation six, they finally bounce it out even more with the addition of the fairy type. So nice. Okay. Thank you for that explanation. <laughs> yeah. It makes it a little clear. Pretty insane. I think also there's just this novelty to the to the Pokemon of Mewtwo just being this this super powerful Pokemon because back when I was a kid, he was just, you know, he was the end all be all. If you had a Mewtwo yeah. in your game, that was that was it. You were it was game over. But mm -hmm. I remember that. Ironically I remember enough, kids talking about that. When it comes to Mew though, Mew was introduced in the game but it is a very very late addition that a one of the developers snuck in before the game's even released and you could only get it in a, in a, by either hacking or by doing kind of a glitch and mew is the he's the antithesis to mew but he is also the creator of me and it's really funny because in the pokedex number entry mewtwo is number 150 and mew is number 151 even though mewtwo is a clone of mew wild right yes oh okay interesting but the thing about i'm looking mew, at pictures of them while you're talking so I yeah can... <laughs> yeah the funny thing about mew is like mew has the ability to learn every move in it, it well yeah I, I still think that's the case i says i still think Mew can learn literally every move or technical machine that they have in the game too but i also really like the battle between the two when when mew presents itself to mewtwo and mewtwo kind of yeah. just gives it the spiel of like oh here you finally presented yourself are you coming to battle me and Mew just kind of floats around and like dodges his attacks but then when Mewtwo launches one at him and you kind of get this idea oh it actually hit Mew and Mew just launches it right back at Mewtwo and Mewtwo's like oh you do have some fight Mew how about that mm, yeah I, I I liked that I also liked the fight between the two Pikachus although it was kind of sad the one <laughs> Pikachu like would not fight back and it was like oh yeah because you can you can Violet. see like which one is the real one and which one is the clone because the clone is the one that's just you know being told fight right like that's Mewtwo's end game like you need to fight that's what you were made for and it's it's telling and almost a parallel in that Mew creates these clones to literally fight off the originals and that's what he was made for and it's yeah. not until the conflict between Mew and Mewtwo when Ash gets hit with their psychic blast and gets turned to stone that Mew, Mewtwo finally snaps out of it and goes, oh, what am I doing? Like, this is all, like, my fault. Like, I, I am yeah. just, you know, all of this is absolutely my fault. I see the error of my ways now. Like, what am I doing? Right? Yeah. It's his turning point. He's like, I'm becoming what I hate. Yep. I'm becoming the yeah. thing that I hate. Yep. And also... Thinking about it now when I watch it again, and even as time has passed, that's honestly the one thing that has come up in conversation among the community. Like, how did Ash get turned to stone? And yet all the tears of all the Pokemon clones and real ones alike were the thing that brings him back to life. It's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't care. 
It's just it's just touching. I feel like it's cute yeah. and it's like sweet that that's what brings him back. When when Pikachu kept zapping him and it was getting so sad, I was getting bummed out. I'm like, oh my gosh, what? No, yeah. Ash. And, and then they like cry and bring it back. I'm like, oh, that's cute. And that's the thing I think the movie does. You know, it plays on the tropes that are in the anime where, you know, Ash constantly gets electrocuted by Pikachu and that's a running gag in the show. Obviously, you know, Brock being, you know, a, you know, a fan of women is a thing in the show and they carried it over even team rocket getting to do their um their 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 mantra like you know yeah prepare for trouble let's make it double like they, they do a play on that towards the end of the movie too um and even like as ash sees them in the tower he's like i have no time for this i'm trying to save my pokemon like i love that there are just things in this movie that they allude to from the series that they just kind of poke fun at and also play with in, in certain ways yeah I, I you know you haven't mentioned it yet but i really thought i really liked the movie the music in the movie oh yeah like, there's so many good musical numbers i was like wow a lot of these are just like straight bangers you know like they're really yeah. good like i found myself like dancing around to the songs they were catchy well like when the the pokemon are all battling and then the the, the song brother starts playing it's like oh man are you trying to just make me a sobbing mess right now i know and and like also um i guess like the intro song they have like an almost like catchier like i don't know like a remix version of it and i was like oh this is nice like it was good yeah, it's it's a it's a remix of the you know the traditional Pokemon theme that they play throughout the the anime. I want to be the very best, like no one ever. Was. Yeah, yeah, it was that, really entertaining. I was like, oh man, the music in this movie I think is really good. It's funny because I think that's that's one of the novelties that this film has that I don't think kind of carries over to later films. Um, I could be wrong about that because I'm probably going to watch you know the second and third movies that I have here after we get off the, the show just for comparison's sake. But yeah, yeah you're right. I, I think there are a lot of musical cues in this movie that, that hit pretty hard. But the one that I think stands out probably the most is probably the brother song, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think it's even driven home even further because you have like, you know, you have Mew and Mewtwo who are essentially, you know, they are brothers in a sense. And it's, it's just very, very endearing. And I also find it funny that um, the way you see Mew in this movie is actually kind of a funny homage to another game in the franchise, Pokemon Snap on N64, because when you when you eventually get to this this final level in that game, you see Mew in a bubble and you have to like throw these items called a pester ball at it just to snap a picture of it. And I thought that was that was cute the way they introduced Mew where Mew was underwater and he comes out and it's in a bubble. I was like, oh, I didn't catch that before. So yeah, I, I nice. there there's just a lot of really fun nods, I think, to the video games mm -hmm. and the anime that just kind of come together really well in this first movie. And honestly, like for a first outing for their, for their franchise, I think this is a pretty solid movie, all things considered. But I think I mentioned at the top, it's a dark movie. It's kind of, it's a, a little bit dark. It's dark. Like if you watch the anime, the anime has like, you know, some serious moments in it, but it never goes like to the extent that I think this movie does because when Mewtwo eventually brings all the trainers there, the four trainers that are there, and he enacts his plan. You know, he has the the three starters fight each other. And then after they all get wiped out, after Charizard, Venusaur, and Blastoise get, you know, effectively beaten, Mewtwo takes it upon himself to, like, snatch up all the Pokemon and these dark Pokeballs and then make them into clones. It's like, whoa, that's that's mean. Yeah. <laughs> that's really mean. Definitely. Yeah, I thought the whole, like, cloning thing and creating, like, more of his soldiers and stuff like that was kind of dark. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and even like, you know, when they're doing the cloning process and like 
I just thought of another funny mix up when they're doing the cloning process and, and Jesse James and Meowth are like, who's that Pokemon? It's like, oh, oh yeah, you're literally doing the thing that would happen in between commercials for the, for the TV show. But <laughs> I forgot about that. When they when they show a Pokemon on the screen, the Pokemon on the screen is Scyther. Team Rocket says, oh, it's Alakazam. It's like, that's not Alakazam. Oh, I would not have caught that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very quick moment but yes I, I i i saw that when watching it this morning i was like that's not alakazam that's scyther it's a lot of like callbacks though overall that's cool a lot of definite fun callbacks in this yeah yeah there's a lot of just super funny callbacks to the the franchise as a whole well at the time when when there were only you know the three or four games depending on where you were regionally but yeah this was definitely a movie that they, they knew what they were doing when they when they did what they mm. did depending on what yeah. scene you're talking about definitely very cool and also that the notion of just um, surfing or flying on Pokemon is also a thing in the games where. Oh, OK. I was wondering about that. Yeah. So after you get a certain number of badges, um, I believe it's after the third badge, you gain the ability to teach your Pokemon fly and you can revisit any town you've been to. After you get the fifth gym badge, you gain the ability to surf and surf across the water. And in the movie, you know, there's one trainer who has a Gyarados and he takes it upon himself to use his Gyarados to surf across the tides. Um, two other characters have flying Pokemon, one of which, as I mentioned earlier, has the Pidgeot, which he uses to fly through the hurricane. And then Ash, Misty and Brock use um, Starby and Squirtle, respectively, to get across the sea. But that's after they find out that Team Rocket is the boat that they decided to get on. Yeah. Which is also another funny trope from the anime because team rocket had always found it like they did. They took it upon themselves to like try and swindle Ash and the crew by just mm -hmm. dressing up as like other mediocre characters or other, you know, other people to just try and like pull one over on them. Yeah. Okay. So that was like a callback too. Yeah. That's yeah. Another callback. Yeah. Nice. There's too many. That I <laughs> Ironically enough though, you know, you get Mewtwo and Mew in this, but you don't get any of the other legendary Pokemon that are in the, in the games. And there are three legendary birds that actually make an oh. appearance in the next movie that, okay. that, that come after this one, Mart Articuno, Zapdos and Moltres. But yeah, I, like I mentioned earlier, um, you get a lot of the popular Pokemon. I, I feel from the games in this, like, you know, Gyarados, Rapidash, Scyther, Rhyhorn, Ninetales. I think Ninetales is one of the more popular ones from the first generation. Uh, Dragonite. Mm. Pikachu, obviously, because he's the face of the franchise and yeah. Charizard, of course. Yeah, I feel like I, if you know, as a as someone who doesn't play the games or watch the anime a lot, I know Pikachu, Charizard, and um, Squirtle, I feel like, <laughs> and Meowth. Those are the main ones that I know. If you had to pick a favorite, which one was your favorite? Hmm, I, I think I like Pikachu. Because he's like a little, like, he's like a little friend, and yeah. I don't know, he's cute sounding. I think. What about you? Who's your favorite? Charizard. Charizard. Okay, Charizard. I feel like that's like a really popular one that I yeah. hear about a lot. It, the thing in the community is, if if Pikachu is not the face of the franchise, next up in line is probably Charizard. Yeah, I feel like, and he's the one that you have a tattoo of, right? Yeah. 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 I feel like he's the one that I see second most often so and I more agree with that. more often than not too charizard gets a lot of love throughout the series as well in the video games like um for example in uh 
generation six they started doing things like a mega evolution charizard was the only one of the original kanto starter trio to get two different mega variant forms he's got a mega x form and a mega y form um his mega x form turns him into a fire dragon whereas the mega y form he keeps his traditional fire flying typing um in generation eight they did this thing called dynamaxing where they basically turned your pokemon into like a godzilla kaiju gigantic monster to fight in the arena oh wow and they 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 do this thing called um Dynamaxing, and then there's Gigantamaxing. Gigantamaxing are Pokemon who have very special Dynamax forms that would take, you know, certain visual creative liberties with the characters. Like, uh, for example, Pikachu got this form, the, the Gigantamax form, which is very reminiscent of of what is called Fat Pikachu from the original card game, where he was a little chunkier because now more often than not pikachu is drawn in a much more slimmer fashion but back in the day he was kind of a pudgy little pokemon um charizard on the other hand had this very big like dragon with fire coming out of his horns and like from his wings he just had a very different form to him and um yeah they're, they're, charizard gets a lot of special love too in the same way that pikachu does so it it, it, it more often than not charizard is often associated as, as one of the mascots of mm. the franchise Okay. Yeah, I remember the older version of Pikachu. I was just looking at it. Um, when he first kind of came on the scene, he was like a cuter little chubbier mm -hmm. um, little mouse. Yeah. Thunder mouse or whatever. But um, now he's kind of like slimmer, like you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah they've, they've slimmed him down quite a bit since his uh, since his debut. Even in the in the initial first episode, he was kind of chunky. Which is even funnier because when Ash initially got Pikachu, he had to wear like rubber gloves to just kind of rustle around. Like, like when they got together, when Ash and Pikachu were, were presented with um, being, you know, starter Pokemon and trader, they they did not at all like get along. And the thing that that solidified their friendship was there was a flock of Spearow that was going to come after Pikachu and Ash kind of gets in front of him to save Pikachu's life. And Pikachu takes it upon himself to jump in front of Ash and just lightning bolt all these Spearow. And that's ultimately what solidifies their their lifelong friendship. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I don't think I've seen enough of the series to have seen that. So yeah, I didn't know they were ever at odds. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. In the very first episode, they're very much like. Anyway, can't, like can't see what I'm doing, but they're they, they just like, kind of don't <laughs> like each other. They're kind of forced to be yeah. in a partnership with each other. Ironically enough, too, Ash's prominent rival in the series only makes a very small cameo appearance. In the beginning of the movie, Gary Oak, who is Professor Oak's grandson, in the beginning of the movie, Giovanni is using Mewtwo to showcase his power to other traders that come through the Viridian Gym, and Gary's one of the traders that has the luxury of fighting Mewtwo, and it's even mm -hmm. hinted at in the anime. Um, this movie is hinted at towards the anime because in the episode that Ash gets his gym badge from Viridian City, he actually does not fight Giovanni in the way that Gary does. Gary sends out a Nidoking and an Arcanine, and it just gets, they get wiped out by Mewtwo. And in the anime, you see Gary come out of the gym and he's like, I, 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 I just lost. I had oh. the thing about Gary was he was always trying to one up Ash and he's like, I've got 10 badges. I'm going to get this last badge just for, you know, giggles and whatnot, but he couldn't, he couldn't win. So yeah. he ended up going to the league with only 10 badges, even though you only need eight. But Gary was like, yeah, I, I faced a Pokemon that I haven't ever seen before. Something unlike anything anyone's ever faced. And Ash is like, "Ooh, I want to fight that Pokemon. But they completely just leave it at that because it's a hint towards the movie that they were I debuting see. at the time. Yeah. Oh, OK. A lot of thought put into all that. Sounds yeah. like. Hmm. Well, I think even in, in that episode, they kind of teased like 
Gary faces Giovanni and you don't see Giovanni's face at all, but you see like the shadow of Giovanni and he sends out Mewtwo in the, the mech armor and like he promptly wipes the floor with Gary like it's nothing. Mm, okay. So, well, yeah, Mew Mewtwo is a the, 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 the title I think is fitting. Mewtwo strikes back. He does. He does. Very much yeah. so. He gets his revenge, but then he also like towards the end becomes a good guy too. True. So, very like, true. Yeah. Very, very true. Yeah. I, I, I think about this movie a lot and I just, I'm just brought back to that time when I was just young and, you know, I wanted to be the very best, so to speak. And just, it's just always been a thing that's just been in my yeah. life. That's never really gone away. Honestly. Yeah. And it's like very positive enough uplifting. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, growing up in the nineties, you know, now it's a way different story, but back then, you know, if you liked Pokemon, you were kind of maybe frowned upon to some extent, but I, I never yeah. tried to look at it that way. My friends and I that I had growing up, we always avidly played the games and would watch the movies when we'd get the chance to. And I really feel like that 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 movie, the first movie, kind of just solidifies that experience in, in a way that I don't think is ever going to be replicated going forward. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. In in the 90s, um, I remember at school, you know, people thinking it was strange that I liked that stuff. I was drawing it all the time. They didn't really get it. They didn't know what anime was um, and definitely got teased for it. Whereas now it's a little bit more popular, <laughs> like yeah. by a lot, you know, so it's it's become mainstream at this point. And it's just interesting to see that journey. I think our generation is that that bridge to where it's not yeah. we don't have to shame each other for that kind of things that we enjoy especially the anime because you and i you know we we have our multiple yeah. loves for different animes i mean you know we go to anime conventions every now and again mm -hmm. i just went to sack anime nice. um, this past january and i actually got a couple different pokemon themed little trinkets too like i've got keychains um i got this little knit pokeball that i got last time i went to uh. Yeah, so this, this I love franchise. anime conventions. They're a totally different vibe from other conventions. Like they're twenty four hours. They're a lot more. Um, I feel like there's more to do. Like they have arcades. They have viewing rooms. Like they just have tons of content. Um, yeah, and fun. and you know, there's even like tournaments that they have for mm -hmm. a bunch of different anime inspired video games, like Tekken, um, Yu Gi Oh other racing games that are imported from japan and even pokemon like there there are pokemon tournaments at, at anime conventions now too yeah so and intros are so important that you know there's often they'll they'll have like a concert from a band that covered a song or yeah had a song like i think like the last one i went to last year they had a band uh i think that did the like junji ito intro mm -hmm. and so one of the intros and so like I went to the concert and your ticket is included, you know, with your pass. And it was like really fun. I was like, man, I like that song. They played a few um, songs and it was really good. So it's just very immersive. They, you know, everything about the fandom you get to kind of enjoy. And Pokemon has always been a really big part of that. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned to you before we started recording, I'm headed to PAX East in Boston. Yeah. The Pokemon company is going to have two booths there. So I'm pretty Ooh. excited to see like what, what they what they bring to that convention because it's you know nice. the penny arcade expo it's basically like video games for comic con for any it's basically like comic con but for video games for anyone yeah. wondering like what what pax is is penny arcade expo but yeah um the pokemon international company is going to be there and i'm very very excited to see what they bring to the table matter of fact um as of recording this pokemon day is actually nine days away from today wow of, okay so kind of coming out at just the right time mm -hmm. yeah yeah I'm, all right I'm, 
pretty excited because there's a lot of swirling rumors that's not beneficial or unofficial of things that may or may not come. Um, I don't know what, honestly. And, and, and as a fan of this franchise, honestly, like I, I just kind of go with the flow, whatever, you know, the Pokemon company and Game Freak Nintendo want to do. That's, you know, that's what they do. Yeah. So I'll be excited one way or the other. Very cool. Well, was there anything from the movie we haven't covered yet that you wanted to chat about? Or? You know, what's funny is I, thinking about it now is like, this is the only one of the movies so far to get remade. So I saw someone made a comment about that. I didn't realize it was remade. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it okay. was very recent. They remade it entirely in um, computer generated CGI. So it's a little more 3D looking. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. I okay. kind of, I, feel, I feel like I kind of need to because I feel like it, from what I understand, it's it's basically just a 3D remake of this movie. That that's what someone had said, and I was like, oh, I I didn't react because I was like, I didn't know that. Yeah, Very it's um, I forget what it's it's got like a bit of a different. Okay, yeah. So the the remake I believe is yeah, Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. That's the remake of the first movie. I guess it's kind of like you know the way that we've redone like beauty and the beast and the lion king i wonder if it's a, an attempt to kind of pull in new audiences with like updated tech basically i'd imagine so probably something along those lines if i had to guess too yeah okay well thank you for addressing that i was not i was not sure but yeah yeah and honestly okay. this this also kind of sets a precedent going forward for a lot of the other legendary pokemon going forward in the franchise like mm -hmm. you know that they would do the anime and then to showcase the legendary pokemon they would dedicate a movie or two or even three to the the collective legendary pokemon for each generation like um for example um the second movie is called pokemon generation 2000 and mm -hmm. that's or actually it's called pokemon the movie 2000 and it's all about lugia the um the pokemon silver mascot and even ho-oh from generation two is one of the very first pokemon you actually see in the pilot because that's one of the ones that ash sees flying by and um the third movie is all about entei one of the other legendary trio from generation two and then the fourth movie is dedicated to celebi and suicune and it, it's literally just a running line throughout the rest of the franchise like if there is a legendary pokemon more often than not they will do an anime series based on the generation and then they will do a movie to dedicated to the respective legendary or ah. legendaries. oh okay okay yeah interesting so there's like a formula a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's 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 a little formulaic in, in certain respects, and um, yeah. You know, oh, and, and I don't mean that as a criticism. I'm just like oh, it, it kind I. of follows a pattern. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I guess that brings me to my last like quick couple of questions for you. So number one, uh, why you know if you had to summarize, why do you keep coming back to this film? Why do you think you've seen it so many times? Well, I saw it a lot repeatedly as a as a kid, and. To me, it was just always, you know, like my, kind of a time capsule, I, I would say. You know, it, it brings me back to yeah. that time of my childhood where I was just always happy. I didn't have a worry in the world. And it was just very much this thing that I still enjoy, that I still like playing as far as the video games go. But if I'm like playing a game and I want to watch Pokemon, I can either throw on the series or I can throw on that movie and just be brought back to that time. And even like the the battles, just watching Pokemon battles is just something that I've always just found intriguing because there's, you know, a, a competitive scene now that has evolved quite a bit 
into how you can utilize certain Pokemon to battle against other people. So I always find that pretty endearing. But I think just on the whole, from a just a movie perspective, I think that this one is just really well made. The animation is a little more crisp than the series. And, you know, as we mentioned, you know, you, when you get a bigger budget, you're allowed to do that. And funny, I was actually I didn't know how much money this movie made at the box office on a budget of five million dollars. This movie grossed a total of one hundred and seventy two million dollars. I mean, Pokemon's a phenomenon. I'm. Yep. I'm surprised and I'm not surprised. Very cool. Right. Um, if you had to pitch this particular film to someone uh, that maybe is a Pokemon fan or is not a Pokemon or, or whatever the case may be, you're just like trying to get them interested. What would you tell them? I would say that if you're a fan of Pokemon or if you want to get into Pokemon and you don't know really where to start, um, I would say the first movie is always a great starting point. You get familiar with who the trio are to some extent yeah. and you know it gives you a basis of like you know some of the mascots some of the the deeper pulls of Mewtwo and Mew the conflict there and also it's just really a solid story about existence and and yeah. where your place can be in the world and you don't always have to be defined by your past I would say yeah. I, I, I would just say just as a general Pokemon fan it, it is one of the best movies in the franchise personally right. well Even thank some, you for Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just, I was just going to say, even, even if some things in it don't quite add up or make sense, it's still. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but you, you, you could chalk that up to practically anything in, in anime movies these days, right? Yeah. Lots of liberties taken, creative liberties, which is kind of what we like about it. But um, thank you for introducing me to this movie. Thank you for picking it. Um, this was a great discussion. I feel like I learned so much about Pokemon lore and about this film. Uh, thank you for coming on, Philip. If um, you wanted to plug anything right before you head out, this is a good opportunity for you to remind um, our listeners what they can check out. Well, again, thank you for being open to the opportunity to oh, watching always, this movie. Yeah. You know, I know you're a huge anime fan as, as mm -hmm. I am, and I know, uh, you know, everyone kind of has their pockets of anime that they enjoy, yeah. but I was, you know, I mentioned earlier, we, we hadn't, and no one had brought this one up. And I was like, well, this is one that I think people of our generation would love to hear about and talk about Definitely. to some extent. But um, mm -hmm. if anyone wants to follow me and my shenanigans, um, I'm on practically everywhere except Twitter, just at unfiltered. Um, I have a Batman podcast, the Eternal Night podcast that you can listen to on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, practically anywhere you get your podcast fix. As I mentioned, also, I'm also on the Four Nerds Network and I I really want to try and get something Pokemon related. I mean, I occasionally do also stream on Twitch Pokemon games. Just again, just search twitch.tv slash unfiltered. That's, uh, I don't go live a lot, but occasionally I do kind of hit the live button. And I'll play Pokemon, any of the games. Sometimes I'll even have two games on the same screen. Like I'll have um, Pokemon Scarlet in, you know, the main big, window and then in a smaller window i might have like you know pokemon gold or silver or you know fire red leaf green one of the gba or G game boy color games playing in the corner as well which is a task because you have to play with two different controllers but i somehow managed to do it um other than that yeah uh, i like i mentioned i really want to try and get some kind of pokemon channel or something to just really you know get it also get out there as well on top of the batman stuff because i just i really love this franchise and i'd love to do more with it i just haven't quite figured out what that is yet all right. Well, that sounds like a lot of exciting irons in the fire, things to look forward to. So thank you for, for telling us about those. And, um, and of course, you know, thank you for having me on as always. It's always a pleasure getting to talk to you about anything. Absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you.